988 is the number that can make a difference. It's a number to use when you need help. Call, text, or chat 988 day or night. The National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Because you never know when you or someone you know may need it. 988. Learn it. Know it. Share it. You are listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast with Stephen and Sonny. The reason that we are here uh, doesn't exist. The fact that there are supposed to be subliminal messages on this record has... uh, has had to get this band get on a plane in England and fly all this way to Reno, Nevada, and to sit in a courthouse and eventually show that the, there are absolutely no subliminal messages on this particular song or record or any of Judas Priest's records that we've made to date. We just thought it was absolutely inconceivable that somebody could be taking a musician <laughs> to court for making music. And um, it was at that point I actually said, we all said that, this can never be, you know. But it is, though members of Judas Priest still seem stunned that they are here, defending themselves against charges that subliminal messages on their record stained class convinced two young fans to form a suicide pact. But band members see it as defending more than themselves. It's not just Judas Priest here, it's the whole it's the whole business of free speech in it in its widest spectrum, the whole media uh, the world of com- media communications, books, uh, filmmaking, everything you can conceivably think of in the art world is at stake here, and we're here to defend it. If you're new to the podcast, when we do a When Rock Ruled the Chart episode, we are looking at a particular day in history, but it's less about that day in history and more about what was happening on the music charts during that day, that week. And so that's what these episodes are all about. They're super fun to go through the charts and go through the music and super fun to see what was happening at that time. Sonny, how you doing, buddy? I am doing good. Uh, this story about this day that priest was found innocent. Uh, this whole thing is, Man, I'm going to tell you the story, okay? So for the listeners, if you don't really want to know some of these details, you can just hit fast forward for about a minute and a half. I'm going to tell you the story in one quick glop here, okay? So 85, Sparks, Nevada, 20-year-old, names James Vance, 18-year-old, named Raymond Belknap. They shoot themselves. It was on December 23rd. They're in a church playground. They got a shotgun. They made a suicide pact. They were drinking. They were smoking marijuana. The lawsuit said that Judas Priest's 1978 album Stained Class was what was being listened to that night and that the song Better By You, Better Than Me, which was a cover of the Spooky Tooth song, uh, was kind of giving them ideas and urging them to basically shoot themselves. That night, Van shot himself but only disfigured himself. He died later. Belknap shot himself first and died. So the parents went after basically the record company and Judas Priest. And, you know, the parents were like, look, yeah, my son was troubled, but he was going for change for the better. He had re-embraced his family's Christian faith. And before this garbage music got in his head, that he was fine. The trial went from July 16th to August 24th of 90. And then the lawsuit was dismissed by the judge because the judge said, look, it was a coincidental convergence of a guitar chord and a breathing pattern. Now, I'm sorry the two people died. Like that, There's nothing that's going to bring them back, and that's a terrible story. The judge coming up and setting this precedent 
saved probably 500 other lawsuits for every band from that era that was doing some, I mean, some of these, we're going to talk about an album that was straight up satanic, right? So there was a lot of this music kind of happening and the precedent this judge set, in my opinion, was absolutely right. I feel bad for the families that lost their sons though. Yeah. I mean, it's never a good thing when somebody loses their life, but it's really just drives me nuts when I feel that somebody is trying to cast blame off on something because, you know, they couldn't recognize mental health issues. I mean, I think it's an ongoing issue and we won't go very far into this because everybody's got their feelings. Everybody's very passionate about it. I just think that mental health is an ongoing issue in the world today and recognizing it isn't always as easy a thing as people think, but I think that that's where a lot of the focus needs to be spent on trying to figure out that more than anything else. And I really think that this is part of that. Yeah. It's just not a great story. Yeah. So we're going to put a pin in that. That's a bad story. We're not going to talk about that anymore, but we're going to do instead, we're going to travel back in time, talk about 824, 1990, and look at the other rock and hard rock acts that were on the Billboard 200 chart at the same time and basically take a trip down memory lane. We got a lot of albums to get to. So I think we should get going with the crank it up. It's time for the Crank It Up Music Spotlight. So tonight's Crank It Up Music Spotlight, we are going to focus on the German heavy metal institution known as Mystic Prophecy. So Mystic Prophecy in May released their 12th studio album, called Hell Riot. And if you've heard us mention Mystic Prophecy in the past, it was basically because of the band Devil's Train. So Devil's Train, the lead singer, R.D., we'll just call him R.D., (laughs) he's also the singer in Mystic Prophecy. And in fact, Mystic Prophecy is probably his mothership. Devil's Train is kind of his side project. Along with Marcus on guitar, Evan K on guitar, Joey Rocks on bass, and Hanno on drums, they make up the band Mystic Prophecy. Check out this lead-off track, the title track, from the album called Hell Riot. We are the legion of the damned.
Okay, I'd like to start by saying I really like Devil's Train. Okay, so we're going to put a pin in that. The title of this album, the album cover, I was already skeptical before <laughs> the song even started. <laughs> right? I'm thinking, oh my God. So then the song starts and I'm like, here we go. So the vocalist starts and I'm like, oh, he's right on the edge for me. But he's not too bad. Chorus came. I was pleasantly surprised that it had melody. And the guitar solo was also good. So overall, I'm like, hey, this song's kind of right on the edge for me of what I usually don't like. But uh, I like this song. So I let the next song play. The next song is called, <laughs> the next song is called Unholy Hell. Brutal <laughs> song. I couldn't get through it. And I'm like, oh, no, that's it. I'm done with this album. I got the one song I liked. I don't need to listen to the rest of it. So I picked this song because I felt like it was kind of along the lines of a Judas Priest, which is why I chose to spotlight them. Also, because the new record just came out in May on Roar Records, our friends over there at Roar Records. I'm a bigger fan of Devil's Train. I think that goes without saying there's a little bit more melody, a little bit more groove. Uh, and I like Artie's vocals in Devil's Train a little bit more. This is definitely a lot rawer. And I would say probably a lot heavier than Devil's Train, although Devil's Train's pretty heavy. Uh, it's just more bluesier. So if you like Hell Riot, I would tell you to check it out. If you're a big fan of the heavier side of Judas Priest, uh, maybe you'll like Mystic Prophecy. Try it out for yourself. Make your own decisions. Mystic Prophecy, Hell Riot. Please make sure you hit that follow button to subscribe to Growing Up Rock Podcast so you don't miss an episode. Okay, before we get started with the topic, August 24th, 1990, I'm turning 21 in seven weeks. How old are you at that point? Uh, in 1990. Middle of 90. Oh, um, I don't know. You know you have to do the math for me. Good Lord. <laughs> Seriously? So 24, I'm assuming? 25? 66, 67, 68, 60, yeah, 24, 24. Yeah. So at the time I'm living in the Bay area, I'm working at target. My music dreams are still alive. I'm past being a musician. Cause you know, that dream's dead. I don't have any talent. Decide to manage bands, book gigs long-term. I wasn't successful at that either. <laughs> Where are you working? Where are you living at that age? Uh, living in Atlanta, still working at a record distributor at this time. This is probably literally right before I go on the road. Okay. So we're going to get with the topic. Remember today, we're looking at the Billboard Top 200 album charts on 824.90, and we're going to talk about the rock and metal acts, and we'll talk about the total top 10 when we get there. So here we go. At number 200, we have an album called Ten Commandments by Ozzy Osbourne. It is on the way off the chart because it peaked out at 163. So if you as a fan don't remember 10 Commandments Ozzy album, it's because it's a compilation of the first four Ozzy records, Ozzy solo records. This release was a stopgap between No Rest for the Wicked and No More Tears. It did not last on the record shelves very long because they were all returned to the distributor. One theory is that the Bible thumpers were protesting the title, The Commandments, Another theory is that Ozzy and Sharon never authorized the release to begin with. Okay, so if you don't know this album exists, that's why. Ten songs in total on the record, six were Randy tunes, four were Jake tunes. At number 198, we got screwed, blued, and tattooed by the Sleazebees. And oh my God, this album had actually topped out 
at 115. Unbelievable. <laughs> and let me just tell you. Oh, my God. If you've listened to any of our other When Rock Ruled the Charts, and we've done several of them. It's a regular series here on Growing Up Rock. When you get to the second record on this chart, and we're talking about sleazebees, screwed, blued, and tattooed, you know you're in for a chart because there are records on this chart that I'm like, holy shit, I can't even believe that ever hit the charts. <laughs> we're going to be talking about rock and roll on this episode oh, yeah. for sure. All right. So if you don't know anything about sleazebees, bands from Netherlands lasted from 87 to 96. They released four studio albums, one live album. The MTV hit was Stranger Than Paradise. Dude, the name of the band alone doesn't offer for much hope for their music. They reformed in 2010, and believe it or not, Sleazebees are still active today with four of the five originals still in the band. They even released a second live album in 2010. I don't even know what to tell you about this. So you know what I'm going to do here? I'm going to play a little bit of Stranger in Paradise, which was the supposed MTV hit. And uh, listeners, take a listen for yourself. Okay, how are these guys not been on freaking Mork yet? Did you hear the song? That's why. <laughs> at 194, we have Lock Up the Wolves by Dio. It's on the way off the chart, and it peaked out at 61. If you remember, for this record, Ronnie replaced the entire band because, as he put it, they had lost interest, the band had. So Rowan Robertson was the first to join, and he said Jimmy Bain and Claude Schnell were replaced along the way, and then Vinny was replaced two weeks before they went into the studio. On the recording, you hear Rowan on guitar, Jen Johansson on keyboards, Teddy Cook on bass, and Simon Wright on drums. So this is the album that had Hey Angel, Wild One, Born on the Sun. If you don't remember those songs, it's because those songs aren't very good. That's why you don't remember the songs. Whatever. Uh, at 179, we got back for another taste by Helix. Like, what is happening on this chart? Okay, this was the top week for Helix. Okay, 179 was the top. And, you know, basically speaking of non-memorable, if you don't know anything about Helix, Canadian band, been around since 74, and they are still active today. Who is going to see these people live? How are they selling tickets? Oh, my God. Stop raising your hand. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love Helix. <laughs> they have 14 studio albums. This was their seventh. The singles were The Storm, Running Wild in the 21st Century, and Good to the Last Drop. None of them hit the charts in the U.S. Why? Because it is Helix. That's why. <laughs> All right. Number 177, Pretty Hate Machine by Nine Inch Nails. This thing's on the way off the charts because it had been on the charts for about a half a year, had topped out at 75. If you don't know anything about Nine Inch Nails, formed in 88 in Cleveland, Ohio, 14 studio albums, still active today. Pretty Hate Machine was their debut album. The singles from it were Down In It, Sin, and probably their most popular song, Head Like a Hole. 
album was one of the first independently released albums to go triple platinum in sales. I kind of call this stuff industrial rock. I got to be in kind of a mood to tolerate it, but I pretty much never go to it. Number 171. Oh, cue up the potter than hell, guys, because they absolutely love this fucking band. Heaven's Edge headed off the chart after peaking at 141. What is going on with this chart? I saw these guys on Mork. That was enough for me. Meh at best. I get it. Those guys love this self-titled album. They got three albums total. They're still active today. I, I don't know why anybody. Oh, my God. You know what? Let me play Skin on Skin here. This was the single. You give me an idea of whether this should have charted or not. I don't think so, but here's a little snippet of Skin on Skin. And at 163, we have Danger Danger with their debut album. It had picked out at number 88. If you don't know anything about Danger Danger, New York band formed in 86, still active today. Ted Poley is a staple on the Monsters of Rock cruise. Saw him several times, have to admit, he's great live. Band has seven studio albums in total. This self-titled debut was their most popular. The singles off this album were Naughty Naughty, Don't Walk Away, and their only charting hit on the Billboard Hot 100, Bang Bang, that topped out at number 49. So that is the first seven albums. Steven, I want to get your take on all seven and get your favorite. But my favorite out of these, I don't exactly listen to the other six. Ozzy's is a compilation. I guess I'll go with Danger Danger out of these seven. Man, this is a brutal list, though. <laughs> I'll be the light in an otherwise oh darkened area. Helix, you Heaven's Edge, Dio, and Sleazebees. Good Lord. It's killer. Hard for me to pick. <laughs> oh, all right. God. Sonny doesn't know good music. All right. So Ten Commandments. Yeah, there's no point in this record. I got all the songs that are on the record, so could care less. <laughs> I mean, I, I got the actual album, so who cares about the greatest hit thing? It's not even the greatest hits. Screwed, Blued, and Tattooed by Sleazebees. I have to admit, I was never a huge uh, Sleazebees fan when they were out. Nobody was. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Aaron Camara, I think, is. But... I actually like the title track on this a lot. The screwed, blued, and tattooed. I think that song's killer. Uh, and if they've got four of the five original guys and they're still active today, I am freaking surprised that they have not been on Mork. That's, that's crazy to me. Lock up the wolves by Dio. I like this record. I like all the songs that Sonny just poo-pooed. It's definitely not as good as the first four Dio records. Uh, so it is a letdown uh, from that. Roan Robertson's great on the record, but it's hit or miss on some of the tracks for me. Back for another taste. Now, I consider myself an above average Helix fan. I like Helix a lot, but this record, when I saw this on the list, I was like, what record is that? I have no clue what record that is. I can't find it anywhere. I don't own it. 
It's not on any of the streaming services. I looked it up and I was like, I don't know any of those songs. So I guess we need to call Rich Dillon and Wally Gator and find out what's going on with this record because I don't know. But I am a Helix fan. I like Helix a lot. Uh, and I would love to see them on Mork at some point. Pretty Hate Machine, I have to admit, Nine Inch Nails and this album was probably one of the very first albums that I got that was different than hard rock and metal back when music was starting to take a turn. I like it. It's different. And I have to be in the mood for it. Uh, I think you categorized it exactly correct. It's industrial rock, industrial metal, whatever you want to call it. Heaven's Edge, their uh, debut record. I think this record's really good. I enjoyed them on Mork. They're really heavy choreographed. So if you think that's over the top and cheesy, you might not enjoy it. But it's better than just looking at a bunch of dudes standing there playing. So I enjoy it from that uh, respect. But I like a lot of the songs on this debut record, and they just released a brand new record. And I think there's a lot of good stuff on that brand new record. So I like Heaven's Edge. Danger, Danger. I've talked about it before. When they first came out, I thought they were a little bit too keyboardy, a little bit too poppy for me. I would have liked it better if uh, the guitar player's riffs were more up in the mix. But there's some good songs on this record. Obviously, Naughty Naughty, Bang Bang. These are all sort of classic danger danger songs like sonny said he's a staple on mork uh and seems like a a fun dude i think out of these records though probably to be honest probably the heaven's edge record i like the most out of these records sorry dude should be (laughs) Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. All right, getting back to the chart. At number 153, we have Journey's Greatest Hits. This thing had peaked out at number 10. It's a Journey's hit song collection that's old diamond. Enough said. At number 144, what is going on here? (laughs) Impact is imminent by Exodus. Good Lord. And 
This wasn't the top week. It actually got to 137. What is happening? <laughs> um, all right. If you don't know anything about Exodus, San Francisco band, I've seen them a couple times. Formed in 80, still active today. 12 studio albums. They just released one last year. This was their fourth studio album. The previous two had cracked the top 100 on the Billboard 200. Unbelievable. The two singles released. Objection Overruled and the Lunatic Parade. Yeah. Didn't chart on the Hot 100. Big surprise. Yeah. Number 142. A Bit of What You Fancy by the London Choir Boys. And this thing was on the way down because it peaked at 111. Another band, Form Forever Go, 84, London, still active today. They're having some internal complications in the band. So much so that the only time I've ever seen on Wiki, when you look up current band members, it says various disputed. That's how much these guys are fighting. (laughs) (laughs) Depending on what band member you talk to, they either release 12, 13, or 14 studio albums. Everybody agrees that a bit of what you fancy is their debut record, though. And it sold the best. There was four singles, seven o'clock. Hey, you, I don't love you anymore. And there she goes again, all charted in the UK. None of them hit the hot 100 in the U S and the choir boys or the London choir boys or spikes boys or whatever you want to call them. (laughs) They probably sell a little better if their debut comes when they form versus their debuts coming in 1990, they probably sell a little better. At number 126, we got Back in Black by ACDC. This thing had peaked at number four. We're talking about an album that got released in 1980 on a 1990 chart. Why? Because this thing has been on and off the chart for 43 years. It's Diamond plus, 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 plus. Okay? It is what it is. It's an ACDC's greatest hits album, basically. At number 125, you got Porno Graffiti by Extreme. First week on the chart. We've talked about this album uh, a lot in the past. Second release. More Than Words went number one, wholehearted, cracked the top 10 also, but we're eight to 12 months away from this album really taking off at this point. At number 123, we got Tattooed Millionaire by Bruce Dickinson, and it topped out at 100 and was on the way down. So this is Dickinson's first solo record. Technically, on 824-1990, he's still in Iron Maiden. He technically doesn't leave till 93. The whole idea for the solo album came about because of Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, wanted Bruce to write a song for them. So he wrote Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter for the movie with Yannick Gers. That song ended up on the next Iron Maiden album, but Bruce wanted to do a hard rock record, which that song is a little more hard rock, versus the prog stuff that Maiden was doing. So he releases a solo album, releases four singles, Tattooed Millionaire, All the Young Dudes. I don't understand why everybody does that goddamn Mott the Hoople cover. Dive, 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 and Born in 58. All the singles start in the UK. None of them hit the Hot 100. It's possible you haven't heard much solo Bruce Dickinson, so here's a snippet of Tattooed Me.
And at 121, we got Funk O Metal Carpet Ride by the Electric Boys. This album cracked the top 100. Oh my God, this thing got to number 90 at some point. So we got a Swedish band from 87, last about seven years. They come back in 2009 and they've been active ever since. They got seven studio albums in total. Uh, this Funko Metal Carpet Ride was their debut album. They released three official singles, Electrified, Psychedelic Eyes, and their only charting Hot 100 hit, All Lips and Hips. Amazing to me, this thing is even on a chart. Even their biggest hit is all kinds of meh to me. So here are seven albums. My fave from this. Okay, so we went from seven albums in the last list that I could give a shit about to three Desert Idol albums on this list. But no surprise to people, I'm going with Extremes Pornography on this list. Give me your thoughts about these seven albums. <laughs> well, Journey's Greatest Hits, it is what it is. It's Journey, it's Greatest Hits, it's amazing. <laughs> Impact is imminent exodus, so you start to see the first signs of why 90 was really a great time because you still have hair metal. Now you're starting to get the heavier side of things, the thrash side of things that are doing well. And you're also starting to see sort of this new type of music form with grunge and industrial and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's really well-rounded rock and roll chart. You get kind of all things. So that's why Exodus is on here. Never a big Exodus fan, so uh, I have really no comments on this record. A bit of what you fancy, the London Choir Boys. I mean, just another Stones-type band. I lumped them in with Black Crows at the time. However, you know, Black Crows just wrote so much better songs, in my opinion. But like Sonny said, it's a band that has stuck around, and they... uh I guess do well in their own country, but never were very big here in the U S back in black by ACDC. You know, there's not much I can say about that. Same with pornography and at stream. We've talked at nauseum about both of those albums and both of those bands tattooed millionaire by Bruce Dickinson. I knew the song. I didn't know the history before Sonny just told us. So that was news to me. Funko Metal Carpet Ride, Electric Boys. I loved Lips and Hips. I liked the Electric Boys a lot. I saw them on Mork. Uh, it was cool to be able to see them for the first time last year. And uh, yeah, I, they've got a lot of great music on a lot of records. I'm sort of surprised they only have seven studio albums. It seems like they have a lot more than that. But yeah, that was their first one. Out of this group, I mean, look, if I got to be honest and I got to pick a band or an album out of this group, I have to go with Back in Black. As much as I love pornography, I mean, it's Back in Black for God's sakes. So what am I going to say? I'm not going to argue with that record. Uh, I can sit there and tell you, well, I'm not going to pick it because it's fatigue. Yeah, okay, but that's not really what we're doing here. We're saying which one of these records is the record, and, and that's the record. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Look at all the people here tonight! Oh man, I got to make an announcement right here. Can you hear me out there? (laughs) 
It's time to take a quick break in the action from this week's episode. Sonny and I just wanted to thank all of you, the listeners, for joining us each and every week. Whether you just found us today or have been listening for multiple episodes, we love your passion for music and rock and roll in general. We consider you all part of our loud minority family. Always remember you can communicate with us a few different ways. If you don't mind Facebook, head over to the Growing Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and be part of the conversation. It's a private group and all you have to do is ask to join, answer a few rock and roll questions, and you're in. If you despise Facebook, which many people do, then send us an email to growinguprock at gmail.com. We get everything there. You can follow us on Twitter and Insta at Growing Up Rock, which is one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. In the event you feel entertained by our podcast, we would appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and go leave us a five-star review either at Apple Podcast or Podchaser. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. All right, getting back to the charts. At number 106, we have Manic Nirvana by Robert Plant. It is on the way down because it had peaked at number 13. So we are now 10 years after Zeppelin's initially done because we're in the middle of 90. We're already on Plant's fifth studio album, so he was busy. The singles off this record were Hurting Kind, I've Got My Eyes on You, Your Ma Said You Cried in Your Sleep Last Night. Now, Plant had had some success in the mid-late 80s. Hurting Kind did chart. It topped out at 46. That was the last solo single that had hit the Hot 100 for him ever. Now we're going to get to the top 100, and oh my God. Number 100 is Danzig 2, Lucifuge by Danzig. (laughs) That had peaked at number 74. All right. So a little history on Danzig. Formed in 87 New Jersey by Glenn Danzig, who had formerly been of Samhain and the Misfits. The openly satanic lyrics got some attention, but then you got this kind of weird mix of doom metal and then Glenn almost like crooning, which is interesting. May not be listenable, but it's interesting. Band's still active. They got 12 studio album, and this one was their second release. Technically four singles, Her Black Wings, Killer Wolf, Devil's Plaything, I'm the One. None of them charted. Big surprise. That being said, fun fact, all 12 Danzig albums, studio albums, have hit the Billboard 200 at some point. There is not a lot of bands that are quote unquote satanic that can say that. Now he wasn't satanic the whole time, but that's pretty damn good. And really you ask most of our friends, Danzig that are into hair metal, they would say mother. That's about the only thing they can name and nothing else. Right. Incredible. How many albums he sold. We go from Danzig to the amazing Lita Ford. So at number 94, we got stiletto by Lita Ford. It had topped out at number 52. Lita's turning 65 this year. Looks great. Still. She's released nine studio albums, still playing clubs all over the U.S. I've seen her several times over the last 10 years. The music doesn't super hold up, but the energy of the shows are still there. Since it's 1990, we're two years after Kiss Me Deadly was a hit, and a year after Close My Eyes Forever was a top 10 hit. There were two singles released on this album, Lisa, which didn't chart, and Hungry, which barely cracked the Hot 100. At number 70, we got Cocked and Loaded by L.A. Guns, which it topped out at 38 was on the way down. Second studio release by LA Guns. My opinion, the songs get way better than the first album. 
The album spent over a year on the Billboard 200, which is not bad for a band that isn't exactly selling arenas today. Over the years, the band or incarnations of the band, and there's been 80 different L.A. guns, I think. They're somewhere between 15 and 16 studio albums, depending on who you believe. The singles off of Cocked and Loaded were Rip and Tear, Never Enough, I Want to Be Your Man, Malaria, Ballad of Jane, which Ballad of Jane ended up being their biggest hit at uh, number 33 on the Billboard 100. By the way, this was their last album to sell gold, and they never ended up having a platinum album. At number 63, we got Shake Your Money Maker by the Black Crows. It's on its way up. It's going to get all the way to number four at some point. I would say most of our listeners probably own this album. Perfect mix of blues and rock, catchy as hell songs. One of the best debut albums in rock history, in my opinion. Brothers haven't always got along, but somehow they released eight studio albums. They're still out there selling theaters. Several singles were released with Hard to Handle and She Talks to Angels doing the best on Hot 100. But I would argue that Jealous Again and Twice as Hard are even better songs. So they got a lot of good songs on that album. That's just how it is. And number 54, we got Rev It Up by Vixen. It's on the way up because it hits 52 at some point and tops out. This is Vixen's second release. And although it sold okay, paled in comparison to the debut record. My guess is the whole girl band moniker, you got four hot women, helps the first album sell. Music grabs some of the fans, probably the vision, grab more fans. Second album comes out, you got only the diehards that stick it out. We've both seen Vixen live lately. They only got one original member left, but they still look great. They sound great. And for a band that's been active for 35 plus years, they've only released four studio albums. The singles off this one were Revered Up, How Much Love, and Love is a Killer. Both How Much Love and Love is a Killer charted on the Billboard 100. Neither cracked the top 40, though. Love is a Killer was their last charting hit ever. And at number 48, we got Busted by Cheap Trick. This was their highest week. Cheap Trick has been around as long as Kiss. 20 studio albums, considered one of the classic rock bands in history. I've tried getting into this band. Dude, I like some of the hits, but overall, I guess I just don't understand all the hubbub. I listened to this album the other day. It's their 11th release overall. I didn't think it was great. Uh, Lap of Luxury probably has the biggest hits that I like. From this album, it was Can't Stop Falling Into Love was the biggest hit. Topped out at number 12 on the Billboard 100. And I get it. These guys, you know, they seem to be living their best life. I I just don't get it. I I guess I don't get Cheap Trek, so I'm just not super interested. Out of these seven albums, super easy for me. Cocked and Loaded is Desert Island for me, so Cocked and Loaded LA Guns for me. How about you? All right. Well, let's start at 106, Manic Nirvana. To be honest, I was never a huge solo plant fan. The Hurting Kind, I think, is okay. Danzig 2, Lucifuge. (laughs) I'm a casual Danzig fan. I like a handful of songs, and that's really about it. I don't know. His vocals wear on me. Can't really deal with that whole, am I Elvis? Am I a crooner? Am I, I don't know. Let me help. He ain't Elvis, because I heard some of those (laughs) Elvis songs. Oh, my God. Brutal. (laughs) I just, it's not for me. It's not my thing. Stiletto, I had already checked out on Lita Ford at this time. I was an early Lita Ford fan with, uh, like, Out for Blood and stuff like that. I wasn't a huge fan of the poppy Lita, like the Kiss Me Deadly and Close Your Eyes Forever. I didn't really like any of that stuff. There's a handful of good songs on the Stiletto, but I wasn't that familiar with it to be honest. Yeah. I mean, she looks great. She plays well. Uh, I just like the more rock side of Lita cocked and loaded LA guns. Definitely my favorite record by them. Just a really good record. There's a lot of great stuff on it. Never enough is probably one of, if not my most favorite 
LA Guns song. I love that tune. Shake Your Money Maker, The Black Crows. This record is fantastic. I just think that this, this record's such a solid record from start to finish. Really like it a lot. Rev It Up by Vixen. Uh, I think the difference in the two albums is that it didn't have, what is it, Heart of a Broken Dream? In that, what's the name of that tune? <laughs> Edge of broken, a Broken Heart. <laughs> heart of a Broken Dream. Yeah. Dude, that's not even close. I had heart broken in there. That was close enough. <laughs> well, that's that's the difference is it didn't have that song on there because that's what the difference in the two records doing well was. Rev it up didn't have any kind of singles. And to your point, they probably people checked out on the whole girl band thing at that time. Busted by Cheap Trick. I like a couple of the singles on this record. Overall, this record doesn't have a lot of the tunes that I like. I'm a little bit more than a casual fan of Cheap Trick, but I understand Sonny's not alone and that he just doesn't get Cheap Trick. A lot of people didn't get Cheap Trick. That's why, I mean, look, there's a lot of the peers that love Cheap Trick, and that's why they're in the Hall of Fame, because they were influential in that way. Uh, and they've got a lot of music that I like, but a lot of people just don't get them. So <laughs> you're not alone in that. Out of this group, I have to say, Shake Your Money Maker, The Black Crows, is probably the record for me out of this group. I loved Cock and Loaded, but man, Shake Your Money Maker is so good. To the charts we are at the top 50 number 47 damn yankees debut record it's on the way up because later on it tops out at number 13 the fab four that everybody wishes would do a reunion tour or assemble on monsters rock cruise or release another album you got tommy shaw you got jack blade you got ted nugent and the other guy that nobody knows michael <laughs> cardalone market cardaloni i don't exactly know <laughs> doesn't have a ton of history before damn yankees but he has a ton of history afterwards because he's a drummer for Leonard Skinner. So this debut album went double platinum, spawned three hit singles, Coming of Age, topped out at 60, Come Again, topped out at 50, High Enough, topped out at number three. When it topped out at number three, here's the two songs it couldn't beat. Because I Love You, the Postman song by Stevie B, and Justify My Love by Madonna. Those are the two songs it could not beat. Album's not perfect, but it's a great album. At number 43, we've got Holy Water by Bad Company. It's on the way down because it peaked at number 35. Of course, everybody knows Bad Company is a classic rock band, been around forever. In the 80s, they switched singers from Paul Rogers to Brian Howe. Rest in peace. Holy Water was the third album by Brian at the helm. 
The album went platinum, had three real singles, Holy Water, which topped out at 89, Walk Through Fire, which it topped out at 28, and If You Needed Somebody, which got all the way to number 16 on the Hot 100. I saw this tour in 1991. They were great. I've always enjoyed this album. Number 32, Blaze of Glory, Young Guns 2, John Bon Jovi. Later, it tops out at number three. This is the first week on the chart. Starts at number 32. I guess technically we say this is the first John Bon Jovi solo album. Some would argue all the Bon Jovi albums are solo John Bon Jovi albums, depend on who you talk to. History's getting rewritten as we speak. This album was done for the movie Young Guns 2. And so here's how the story goes. So Emilio Estevez wanted Wanted Dead or Alive as a theme song. John goes, those lyrics don't really fit. Let me write something new. I'm thinking he didn't want to share the credit with anybody he wrote Wanted Dead or Alive with, but that's who knows. Here's what Kiefer Sutherland said, which I think is awesome. He goes, when John joined the team for Young Guns 2, we were all eating hamburgers in a diner, and John was scribbling on this napkin for, let's say, six minutes. He declared he'd written Blaze of Glory, which, of course, then went through the roof in the States. He later gave Estevez the napkin that he wrote it on. We were all munching hamburgers while he was writing a number one song. Made us all feel stupid. Um, the song Miracle was also on this album, Top 20 Hit. Love that song. At number 31, we got Passion and Warfare by Steve Vai. It had peaked out at number 18, Steve's second studio album. And if you remember, this got released during the Slip of the Tongue tour by Whitesnake in the cycle. I saw this tour live. Steve did a song off the album during the set. The music is based on a series of dream sequences that Vi had when he was younger. And in his guitar music book for the album, he sums it up as Jimi Hendrix meets Jesus Christ at a party that Ben Hur threw for Mel Blanc. Okay. <laughs> Instrumental album. I love Steve. My favorite guitars of all time. No way this thing hits the chart if it ain't for Whitesnake. Period. Right? He took advantage of the commercial that Whitesnake was. Good for you, Stevie. Number 30, After the Rain by Nelson. Later on, gets to number 17, so it's on the way up. Got the debut album by the Brothers Nelson. Ends up selling double platinum thanks to Stunning Good Looks. They got the Nelson name. They got Geffen. They got pop rock hits like Can't Live Without Your Love and Affection, which went number one. After the Rain, which peaked at six. Uh, the album cost so much money to make, though, that after playing 300 live shows, the brothers say they were still in debt and made no money on the record. Wow. Fun fact, though. What was the song that knocked Can't Live Without Your Love and Affection out of the number one spot in September 29th of 1990? Release Me by Wilson Phillips, if you didn't know that. And rounding out this six, at number 28, we got Dr. Feelgood by Motley Crue. This is on the way down because it had hit number one. It's been on the charts for almost a year. We've discussed this album before. Motley's ultra hot at the time. You got Bob Rock involved. You got MTV absolutely loves them. You get five singles. You get an endless tours. They keep their name in the headlines by doing stupid things. And bam, you, you sell <laughs> six times platinum. I mean, that's just how it is. So I got a trivia question for you. So here we go. All four of these were top 40 hits. Which charted the highest for Motley Crue? Dr. Feelgood, Kicks on My Heart. Without you, or don't go away mad, just go away. What do you think? Don't go away mad. Don't go away mad was the third highest on that. So Kickstar My Heart got to 27. Don't go away mad, just go away got to 19. Without you went to eight. Dr. Feelgood went to number six. Wow. Crazy. So want to get your take on these six and your favorite out of the six? Although I'm a huge Steve Vai fan. I already said that. I would say out of this six. The Damn Yankees record is my favorite. How about you? 
I almost thought you were going to pick the bad company record. I almost did. I know you like that record a lot. Damn Yankees debut. It's a great record. Love it. There's so much good stuff on there. I love Jack Blades and Tommy Shaw together. They do great things together. Sure, Ted's in the band, but it's really Tommy and Jack that I like in the damn Yankees. Holy Water, Bad Company. I remember the videos. I remember the music. I was never a huge Bad Company fan. I like it. I think it's good. Blaze of Glory, Young Guns 2. This had a Marriott of guests on the record. It's a movie soundtrack. Yes, Blaze of Glory was huge. I absolutely love Miracle. I think Miracle's a great tune off that record. Passion and Warfare, Steve Vai. It's an instrumental. We've talked about it. We've had Steve Vai as one of the thinking the greats. He's done a lot of amazing stuff. I think the biggest thing that he would claim that he did was the deal that he worked out for this Passion and uh, Warfare record where he got the majority of the money from the album sales. And if this album peaked at number 18, he did pretty well. That record probably built his house and studio. I'm willing to bet. After the Rain by Nelson, I saw it live a couple of times during this tour. I thought they were amazing. They had an amazing band, and I thought they wrote some really, really good, strong songs on this record. I love this record. And then Dr. Feelgood, Motley Crue. Saw that tour, enjoyed it, had a great time. It was the height of hairband and women at these concerts and i loved everything about it and dr feel good is probably out of this bunch the record for me okay getting back to the charts at number 23 you've got a lot of rock but we're almost done here stick it to you slaughter it's on the way up because later on it gets to 18 so thanks to the implosion of the vinnie vincent invasion we get a we get a double platinum debut album by slaughter uh, the album had three hit singles, Spend My Life, topped out at 39, Up All Night got to 27, Fly to the Angels got to number 19. I remember seeing them in the 90s. So they were awesome. Number 22, Charm Life by Billy Idol. It's on the way up because it's going to peak out at 11. So we're in mid-1990. We're eight years past the debut album. We're several years past all the MTV-type hits. You get Billy's fourth official studio solo album. Two major singles, L.A. Woman, which topped out at 52, Cradle of Love, which got all the way to number two. I would say Billy's probably more of a celebrity nowadays than mainstream rock musician. People probably just remember Rebel Yell, White Wedding, right? He's got a total of eight studio albums. Fun fact, the song that kept Cradle of Love from being a number one hit, Vision of Love by Mariah Carey. Hmm. Number 19, we got Pump by Aerosmith. This one's on the way down because it had peaked out at number five. So... Yeah, 1990, we're basically in the middle of the Aerosmith comeback because I think most people would agree. Permanent Vacation, Pump, Get a Grip, brings them all the way back. Pump's their 10th studio album, ends up selling seven times platinum. Four top 40 singles. So, trivia time again. Which of these four singles charted the highest? Loving an Elevator, Janie's Got a Gun, What It Takes, or The Other Side? Uh, it's got to be Janie's Got a Gun. Janie's Got a Gun is correct. It got to number four. Loving the Elevator got to five. What It Takes was nine. Other Side was 22. I will tell you, so here's here's a little rhyme for you. This thing's classic. So for me, most wouldn't agree, but it happens to be that to me, 87 through 93 is the only listenable Aerosmith. <laughs> what? People just hung up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why, why the fuck do we listen to the Crown Up Rock podcast? <laughs> Because they hey, love to hate you, Poonie. They just love why. to hate me, yeah. <laughs> Send your hate mail. 
At number 18, we got Brigade by Hart. It's on the way down because they had peaked at number three. Uh, we've talked a lot about Hart. Did a full episode a while back. You can honestly say that Brigade is the last album during their comeback because they had Hart, they had Bad Animals, and Brigade. In the end, the album ended up selling double platinum on the strength of songs like I Didn't Want to Need You, which went to number 23, Stranded, which got to 13, and All I Want to Do is Make Love to You, which topped out at number two. Fun fact, the only song that prevented All I Want to Do is Make Love to You from going number one was Vogue by Madonna. Better song. I feel so bad for, for the guys in like 83, 84, Thriller, and then later on, everybody's getting their ass kicked by basically Madonna, right? Like, I feel so bad for people. Or Mariah Carey, right? It's just, oh my God. At number 15, you got In the Heart of the Young by Winger. This was the top week for them. We are all Winger fans. Just saw them live again, Monsters Rock Cruise. They're still awesome. In the Heart of the Young was their second album. Ended up selling platinum, spawned three singles. Easy Come, Easy Go went to number 41. Can't Get Enough went to number 42. Miles Away got to number 12. For me, this album's good. The first album's better. And at number 14, we got The Real Thing by Faith No More, which still hasn't seen the top spot yet because it gets all the way to number 11 a couple of weeks later. I just don't get these guys. I, I, I get it. San Francisco, 1979. They went on hiatus from 98 to 2009. They've been active ever since. They got seven studio albums. This is their third one. Their only platinum one, thanks to Epic. Otherwise, this didn't even go platinum. Epic was a number nine song on the Billboard Hot 100. Fucking miles away, topped out at 12, and Epic got to number nine. Unfucking believable That was the power of video and MTV. Yeah. yeah. Completely. They had one other hit single, it was falling to pieces that got to number 92. I, I, I just don't get faith anymore. Yeah. So out of these six, want to get your favorites, your thoughts. Again, easy for me. Desert Island album. Slaughter, stick it to you. Yeah, so this was an interesting grouping. Stick it to you. Slaughter, fantastic record. Love it. Uh, this was pre-Mark Slaughter's voice wears on me, but not on this record. I really like this record a lot. I never was a fan of Charmed Life by Billy Idol. I just felt like it lost a lot of the Steve Stevens edge, guitar edge on this album. So I was not a huge fan of this record at all. Pumped by Aerosmith, in my opinion, is the last really good Aerosmith record. Get a grip, just, I don't know, it was downhill after Pump to me. Brigade by Heart, I didn't love this record. I really hated that song. All I want to do is make love to you. I just was not a big fan of that song at all. And that was, I think, the first single off the record. In the Heart of the Young Winger, when it came out, my recollection was that I liked the first record better. But I'll be honest in saying that In the Heart of the Young, I've gotten a newfound respect for that over the years. There's a lot of songs that I maybe didn't think were that great that I've grown to love over the course of the years. They just did uh, Rainbow and the Rose on Mork on the pool stage, I think. That was one they pulled out that they hadn't played in a while. So there's some really, really good stuff on In the Heart of the Young, in my opinion. I like it. I don't think I like it better than the first record still, but uh, I do think it's a really, really solid second effort by them. And then the real thing, Faith No More, I'm a casual Faith No More fan. There's a handful of songs that I like, and that's about it. For me, off this chart, probably it was really, it came down to In the Heart of the Young and Pump. But I'll be honest, I wore out Pump 
by Aerosmith. I really, really liked that record. That record had a lot of great stuff on it. So for me, probably Pump out of this group. So let's talk about the top 10, and now we get to this is not all rock because we're talking about the total top 10. So on August 24th, 1990, at number 10, you got the Pretty Woman soundtrack. Um, It's on the way down because it had peaked at number four. You know, you got a movie with Richard Gere, Julia Roberts. I mean, it's got King of Wishful Thinking by Go West. It's got uh, Must Have Been Love by Roxette as a number one hit. No doubt it sold a lot. At number nine, you got another soundtrack called I'm Breathless by Madonna for the Dick Tracy soundtrack. So here you got Warren Beatty, you got Al Pacino, you got Madonna doing the soundtrack. She's ultra hot. She's got celebrities. She's got success. And she's acting in the movie. The soundtrack got all the way to number two. It had Vogue on it. I mean, the only thing that stopped it from being number one was MC Hammer. At number eight, I'll Give All My Love to You by Keith Sweat. This had topped out at number six. It's Keith Sweat's second studio solo album. Uh, he starts his career in 87. The singles were Make You Sweat. I'll give all my love to you. I've probably heard these songs, but I can't remember them. All right, I got a trivia question for you. Keith Sweat, he got his solo career going in 87. How many studio albums do you think Keith Sweat has? You know, Keith Sweat's a name that I see appear on our little chart thing often, it seems like. And I really don't know that much about Keith Sweat. I know the name, and that is about it. I'm going to say he's got four studio albums. 14. <laughs> yeah, 14. Um, at number seven, we got Poison by Belle Bib DeVoe. It is on the way up because it gets all the way to number five. Album went four times platinum. It had three top 40 Hot 100 hits. Uh, you know, BBD, I Thought It Was Me, the title track Poison, and that awesome song, Do Me. Great song. <laughs> number six, we got Step by Step by New Kids on the Block. It is on the way down because it had been at number one. Uh, triple platinum album, four studio album, title track was number one on, on the Billboard Hot 100. And number five, you got compositions by Anita Baker. This is the highest it gets. She won a Grammy on this thing for best female R&B vocal performance. At number four, you got Mariah Carey. Later on, it becomes number one. It's Mariah Carey's first album, sold nine million copies in the U.S. and had four number one hits. Four number one Hot 100 hits on your first album. Enough said. At number three, so after having 33 rock, hard rock, shit Danzig albums, 33 of them from number 11 to number 200, we only have one rock album in the top 10, and motherfucker, it's Poison, Flesh and Blood, and this thing had got to number two, and I want to thank you, MC Hammer, for not letting these guys have a number one album. Thank you, Hammer. This thing sold 7 million copies because of Unskinny Bop, Something to Believe in, Ride the Wind, Life Goes On, and Flesh and Blood Sacrifice. I was listening to this album the other day. I can't get through it. 
I do not like Brett Michaels. Basically, I don't like Brett Michaels. Dude, did you just try to say that Hammer was better than Poison's Hell, Flesh and Blood? Yes. And the charts say so, too. This is why rock and roll is dying today, because we have people like you that's trying to kill it off, and you're doing a rock podcast on top of it. What's that's wrong right. with you, man? That's right. And number two on this day, we got Wilson Phillips with their debut album, sold 5 million copies. They had three number one hits on this album, a <laughs> debut album. And at number one on August 24th, 1990, my man, MC Hammer, Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him, Diamond album, by the way. Between You Can't Touch This, Have You Seen Her, and Pray As The Singles doesn't surprise me at all. He was so fun to see live in San Francisco. He lived in the Bay Area. He was everywhere. MTV absolutely loved him. Hammer has 11 studio albums, by the way, if you didn't know. So out of these 10, which most of it ain't rock, my fave, I got to go with Belvedere DeVoe. I really love that album. How about you? This is why Sonny and I make a great team on the Grown Up Rock podcast <laughs> all right let's go through the 10 to 1 slots pretty woman soundtrack great movie soundtrack had great stuff on it love that go west song so good love the rock set song we go from that to the madonna dick tracy soundtrack awful movie and not a great soundtrack i like madonna don't get me wrong but this soundtrack blows and this movie was shitty so Two sides of the coin there. Pretty woman, good. Dick Tracy, sucky. Uh, let's see. Key Sweat, I'll give all my love to you. Mm-hmm. Don't know too much about him. <laughs> Poison, Bell Biv DeVoe. I like this record, too. This record is really good, really fun. How can you not love Poison? <laughs> it's good stuff. Anyway. And a bunch of people just hung up on us on that. <laughs> we go from that to step-by-step, step, New Kids on the Block. Fun fact, Donnie in New Kids on the Block actually took the place of Sonny Hollywood Pooney. He was the original guy in New Kids on the Block. If you didn't know that, fun fact for you. I made that up, but it's fine. Compositions, Anita Baker. Yeah, okay. Um, Mariah Carey, Mariah Carey. Yeah, she gets up into those siren ranges. This was her first album. She was also messing around with Tommy Matola, who was the president of her record company. And lo and behold, she had success. Go figure. All right. She's good, though. <laughs> I'm not saying anything other than that. Just saying. <laughs> Flesh and blood poison. I like this record. I don't care what Sonny says. He whipped out a bunch of singles. All the singles that he talked about were good singles. This record's good. There's a lot of good stuff on this record. And still listen to it today. So, yay for Flesh and Blood. Wilson Phillips, God, you couldn't get away from this record on MTV. I get it. Yeah, it was okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him. This record was huge and he was everywhere, but honestly, it was all built on the one single. I know he had like Prey and later on he had Too Legit from another album, but he really, and he was living out of his car like a few short years later. Uh, so, you know, definitely a story of excess and a story of success and failure for sure on that one. For me, it's pretty easy. I mean, it's flesh and blood poison. 
for me out of this group. It's the record I listen to most. I do like Belviv DeVoe and Poison, but out of this group, that's probably the only other record. Uh, some step-by-step stuff from New Kids goes on playlist for me time and time again, uh, just because I like some of that stuff. But that's about it. We at Growing Up Rock Podcast Headquarters are actually with Steven on this one. We all love Poison. But since we all love Sonny also, we wanted to share a personal message that Sonny has for Brett, Cece, Bobby, and Ricky. Can't touch this. Why you standing there, man? You can't touch this. Yo, sound the bell. School is in, sucker. You can't touch this. Give me a song. A rhythm making them sweat. That's what I'm giving them now. They know. You're talking about the hammer. You're talking about a show that's hot and tight. Singles are sweating so fast that my wife or tape. Okay, so wrapping up this part of the conversation on August 24th, 1990, there was a lot of rock on the Billboard 200, not a lot of rock in the top 10. I was originally going to do Billboard 100, but when I looked at the songs that were on there that were rock, they were all ballads. Being the nice guy that I am, I didn't want to put you through that pain. Otherwise, it would have been all ballads because it's 1990. Appreciate you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Priest-wise, getting back to the story for just a second, I agree with what you said earlier. Music does move people in different ways, but in the end, it is entertainment and it is art. So people got to be careful not to take it too seriously and using somebody else's words to basically, you know, have an excuse to do something bad or stupid, that's probably not a great idea. Again, feel for the families because it's a terrible situation. But uh, I'm glad that Priest was found innocent, although I'm not glad of the situation that happened. Wrap up this conversation from your end. Just going back to the Priest story, over the decades, people have tried to cast a light on, just like you said, art. Whether it's music, whether it was books before that, whether it's movies or videos or video games now anything you can do to push the blame off to some other direction and i think it's an easy way out i don't support that at all 988 is the number that can make a difference it's a number to use when you need help and you don't know where to turn call text or chat 988 day or night the number where someone will always be there to talk the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Learn it, know it, and share it. Because you never know when you or someone you know may need it. Getting to the charts, man. These charts. This was a great time in music, I have to say. I mean, there was some really, really good stuff happening right now. And it was about to go south quickly. But in 1990, in August, this was looking pretty good to me. So I was happy to do this album chart because, uh, like I said, we talked about more rock and roll on the music charts in this episode than we have in probably three or four of the When Rock Ruled the Charts previous to this. Hey, Hollywood, you know what time it is. Let's connect it to KISS. You wanted the best and you got the best. The hottest band in the world, KISS.
So for the historic moment, August 24th, 1990, while Judas Priest is collectively breathing a sigh of relief, Kiss was in Little Rock, Arkansas, doing a show on the Hot in the Shade tour in front of 9,721 people at the Barton Coliseum. The openers, Slaughter and Winger. So you got Slaughter, Winger, and Kiss on August 24th, 90, and you can't sell 10,000 tickets. Yikes. The pyro didn't get used that night for some reason. I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, the set list, dude. I Stole Your Love, Deuce, Heavens on Fire, Crazy Crazy Nights, Black Diamond, Shout It Out Loud, Strutter, Calling Dr. Love, I Was Made for Loving You, Fits Like a Glove, Hide Your Heart, Lick It Up, God of Thunder, Forever, Cold Gin, Tears of Falling, I Love It Loud, Love Gun, Detroit Rock City, I Want You, Rock and Roll Night. What a great set list. But the one that I didn't mention kind of happened in the middle of the whole set list. Here's Rise to It. I'm going to rise to it. I know people have criticized this song and said, ah, it's just Kiss trying to be Cinderella or trying to do something of the time or whatever. I don't care. I love Rise to it. I like the song. Uh, it's about the music to me, and and I dig the riff. I dig the song. I think it's catchy. I think it's a great Kiss song. I love it. I don't have anything else to say about that. But that, man, it still is stunning to me. 9,700 people, and you've got Slaughter. That's got a, a record at number 23 and winger that's got a record at 15 and you honestly can't sell more tickets than that. That's just crazy to me. Yes. Okay. So before we say our goodbyes, let's uh, look at a couple other things that was going on August 24th, 1990. So the football season has not started yet. So there's no NFL and the NBA was done months ago. Baseball best record in the majors on August 24th, 1990. The Oakland A's are 79 and 46. The worst record, 48 and 77 Atlanta Braves. That was right before the turn <laughs> of what was going to become a dynasty for sure. So the A's go on two months later to be in the World Series and they get swept by the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> was that the earthquake uh, World Series or not? No, no, not 90. No, because that was with the Giants. That was 89. Okay. Number one movie in America. Dude, I've never even seen this movie. You may have never even seen this movie. Dark Man with Liam Neeson. I've seen it. It, it wasn't that great, but yeah, I have seen it. Yeah, I've never even seen it. Number one TV show in the U.S. Want to take a wild guess? Uh, number one show in the U.S. 60 Minutes. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> number one song in the U.S. on August 24th, 1990 was... Want to take a guess? Wilson Phillips. 
Close. Vision of Love, Mariah Carey. Hey, this is Dennis Leary, and you are listening on Pantheon Podcasts. So another great episode. We love doing these because it just kind of it shines a light on one date versus doing the whole year. We used to do the years. It probably wasn't as fun as these specific dates. And we bounce around the dates a little bit. So we're not always talking about like 85 to 91, right? Because we could do a bunch of dates from 85 to 91, but we want to kind of spread it out a little bit. And I like the way we do it. I like the way we, you know, pick one thing in, in history. And yeah, we talk about it some, but overall it is about what's happening on the charts. But I still enjoy like, you know, revisiting whatever was going on. This one was a little bit dark, but a lot of rock on the charts. Got these sleaze bees. Good Lord. <laughs> they got to come on Mork. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start posting sleaze bees for Mork 24. I'm going to start a petition. So we want to thank the listeners for listening. I want to thank you for all the feedback we get, um, all the folks that are on the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority and all the messages we get there. And, uh, you know, thank you for enduring 824-1990. That's it. Until next week. See ya. Later. It's time to shuffle, rattle, and roll us out of here. Get ready to turn it up. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.